0: Did you just hear that? No. That was was my fucking mailbox. (laughs) (laughs) I said these words again and it went ding. Approved. (laughs) All right, Um, I'll start over. That's called a cold open, y'all. And nobody makes a colder cold open than Steve Silverman. This is his show, and I am Faith Saley, and I've waited 99 episodes to share these words again. You're entering a world gone good for the hundredth time. Well... Hello, as I already mentioned, my name is Faith, and today is a big day here at World Gone Good, the podcast where we shine the light, or find the light, in the darkness to prove this floating rock of ours that we're all trapped on together, thanks a lot, gravity, isn't so bad after all. In fact, it can be pretty damn good. Help us spread the good by sharing the show with your friends on social media, subscribing where you're listening right now, and why not go all in and give it a rating and a review? Ratings and reviews really matter, y'all. I say this as someone who published a memoir a few years ago, which one reviewer on Amazon called a trashy romance novel. (laughs) It was (laughs) nonfiction. Anyway... The more you uh, do each and all of these good things, rating and reviewing and sharing, the more you help new good people just like you find and enjoy the show. And as always, we say thank you. Now, you may be wondering, what the hell is going on? I mean, where where is Steve? Bring him back, the good guy who has hosted every single show. And why are you stuck with this broad here? Isn't it enough? You have to watch her on CBS Sunday morning where she offers regular commentary and stories and listen to her on NPR and one of her favorite places to be heard. Wait, wait, don't tell me. And purchase or download her deeply personal and extremely hilarious book, Approval Junkie, available where all literature is sold online and at your favorite local mom and pop bookstore. And she starred in it as an off Broadway show. And wow, she talks in the third person. FYI, Steve wrote this whole thing. I'm just being paid in friendship to read it so why am i here that's a good question steve silverman
1: i'm i'm in the romance section of the bookstore looking for (laughs) something by by face space (laughs) salie (laughs) or Fath Fath salie perhaps (laughs) oh my gosh i
0: i have to okay i'm so grateful you asked me to do this because I am so much more in my comfort zone interviewing you than being interviewed by you, which I had the pleasure of being two years ago.
1: I know it's weird and I'm like a little like thrown off. Yeah. Cause I'm, it's
0: disconcerting. It is. When, yeah. Wow. Well, when your identity is the one to be curious and ask
1: questions. Yeah. Cause I usually have a notebook out with all my questions written out and, um, you know, I'm and like. So
0: right now, you just have your husband beside you, ready to answer questions about that
1: yourself. Bitch is at work. <laughs> <laughs> I sent that bitch to work. <laughs> I quit my job three months ago, and I said, "You go to work." <laughs> I
0: want to talk about your quitting your job. Okay. That's important. That's important to get to. Sure. It is a it is a recurring theme of f- World Gone Good. Listeners know yes. that a lot of people threw over their bread and buttery, you know, stuff. And, uh, and are following their dreams. So we want to – hopefully you're following your dreams. That's presumptuous of me. What are you doing?
1: S- pretty much eating, <laughs> drinking, watching a lot of HGTV, you know.
0: <sighs> um. Hey, Mazel Tov, 100 episodes.
1: I know. Thank you. Well, thank That's you. a lot. It's crazy and it's weird and I – and I almost stopped a few times, but the universe and the world and the light and all that just says, "Nope, keep going." And and that's it's just so weird to think a hundred. And thank you, right now, I want to say to everyone listening, thank you, Faith. Faith really came today, so everyone knows this because she needed to secure her place as the most often good guest I've had. Because Is that true? yeah, because now you've pushed <gasps> yourself. You were tied with Mary Weiss. Three for three. Now you're four. See ya,
0: Mary. <laughs>
1: yeah f- Screw you, Mary.
0: <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mary. <laughs> um. Wait. I, I. The first time I recall your voicing the notion that you might stop doing the podcast was your 60th episode when you had Simone Gordon, aka Black Fairy Godmother, on.
1: That's a hundred percent right. Yes. I was, um, I felt like I had reached the, I don't want to say end, but just, just that it had sort of, um, fund itself out. I always say, follow the fun. And then I told myself, there's one person I really want to get. It's Simone Gordon. And I, I, I sent her a message on Instagram and she wrote me back like while it was happening, it was so crazy. Cause she wrote me and she's like, I can do it in like an hour and a half.
0: She's a single mother raising an autistic son yes. who who has very special needs, and it's an astonishing interview.
1: Yes, it's one of an interesting times too because, like right now, I, we we use this. I'm going to plug them. We use this software called ZenCaster to record. We're using it right now, but um, she had left her laptop somewhere else. I think at her office, and so she said to me, "I only have my iPad. Can we zoom?" And I don't always like to do Zooms. I've done several of these recordings on Zooms because the audio is mixed and it kind of like sometimes goes out on you. So I said, she said, I can, I can run out really quick. I can get my mom to come over or someone to watch my son. And I said, no, 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 I, it's okay. We can do it on Zoom. And she was trying to um, get him to go to sleep mm-hmm. while we were recording. And she has like a whole way she does it. And the funniest thing I have to say really quickly because you'll understand, and a lot of people listening will understand, she plays him certain soundtracks so she had <laughs> i want <laughs> to say she had beyonce going to just he likes it <laughs> so she had like beyonce going and she was ready to record and i was like um i can't afford beyonce on my show oh gosh that's right and i don't wanna, would have, to pay, have to pay for it and i don't want to be like a jerk like your autistic son who needs to go to bed needs this process and she said no, no no i i got it i got it and she says she goes i'll just turn it down real quiet so if you go back and listen to that episode every now and then you can hear a single ladies like in the background, like pop up.
0: Oh my gosh. That, I'm going to go back and listen for that. And I actually feel like be, if Beyonce knew this story, she would love it and not, and not have her people charge you a kajillion dollars. I
1: think she would. And Jay, Jay-Z may, maybe would still want the cash, but
0: she, she'd be, she'd be like, no, that's sweet. But Blue Ivy would sort it out for them. <laughs> Wait, so, so how, I, I think anyone who listens to your show hears fun um, among many other things, you know, meaningfulness and, and, um, you know, trenchant conversation and emotional times, but I think we always hear fun on the show. So why were you feeling like you had been funned out when you were thinking of stopping the show?
1: such a good question. Oh my God. I'm the one who always compliments people with good questions for me. In anything in life, when it stops being fun, I've talked about this on the show, if it's a relationship, if it's a friendship, if it's a job, uh, it's it's a little more difficult with family. But I had reached that point when, when, when it just felt right before number 60, maybe I'm done. Maybe the conversation's done and that's okay. And then I said, okay, universe, I'm gonna go out there right now. I'm gonna say right now, if the Black Fairy Godmother says yes to me, we're gonna keep going. And Simone Gordon, the Black Fairy Godmother, not only said yes, we recorded, I swear to you, I think it was two hours later. And it's it's a great conversation if you haven't heard it because you can hear that I have prepared nothing <laughs> other
0: than I actually didn't hear that. Oh, cool. To me, I heard a deeply meaningful, beautiful, spontaneous conversation and a few single ladies.
1: That's the behind the scenes um True story stuff. That'll be flashback when they do the Lifetime movie. I just have to kill someone to get the Lifetime movie.
0: Yeah, and who's going to play you? Have you thought about this? Who would play me? Who was... You know, a while back, I feel like Leanne Rimes' ex-husband played every
1: part. Eddie Cibrian. Eddie
0: Cibrian. Yeah, he made Eddie Cibrian play you,
1: could is- play me. Or the kid who plays Spider-Man. I mean, you can see. Same.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> also, just your and if listeners don't know this steve is an incredible writer just i, I can curse right i can curse, curse although i may want my kids to hear this just so fucking funny um and and you have a play right now that you are going to produce in early 2023
1: Yes, I have not done a show. I started, uh, just backstory on me for a second, I started doing plays. That's how I got my start. And
0: let, let me pause here, because I, I di- thank you for di- starting your own origin story. <laughs> you, came, you came to Los Angeles. Cien- no, I did want to dig into this. But you're talking, you were focused on writing. Why don't we know you as a playwright now? Why, why have Steve Silverman plays not been on Broadway? I
1: don't know. Why doesn't anyone give me a chance? Okay. Um,
0: and I don't mean that to diminish all the other things you've done. But I, I, you have been in my life for over two decades. And you you appear in my life in doing lots of different things. And, and the writing recurs. It comes back. And I just read your latest play. And it's so superb that I wonder... Like, is, is this, is this the dream that you have not yet accomplished?
1: I would say the answer to that is yes. And it's a many, it's a multifaceted dream. Um, so I did this job. I have, I have nothing but mostly good things to say about the job. I just finished and will not name the company. It's a major company. You've all heard of it. Um, it's a television. News the- <laughs> It's not Fox News. Close. But it's a television network. And I worked there for a total of 11 years. I took a break for five years in the middle. I went back to my old job. It just happened to reopen. I have nothing but good things to say about it. However, as you know from what you do, you reach a point in your day where you do so much of your day job. And you're great at your day job. And you love your day job. And your day job gives you so much like, you know, I can buy food. And I can have insurance and all the great things that we need, right? Um, and the creative side gets hard because you find yourself at 11 o'clock at night going, oh, I want to write that thing, but I'm too oh, tired. You know.
0: A hundred percent. And I I actually, sorry to interrupt, but I think I speak for a lot of listeners who, who come to the show, hear these incredibly inspiring stories of people who are like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to go follow my dream. And many of us who listen have nothing but respect for that, and yet we realistically feel burdened totally, by, by the realities of our life, which are not all of us, feel like we can chuck, chuck it all and sort of uh, you know, un, un, untether ourselves from so many obligations. And I, I, my husband calls this I think he got it from a book. What you're describing is is living in our zones of excellence, right? You show up at a job, you you know who you are, you know what you have to offer, you're always going to nail it. And I too, I mean, you and I are in our fifties. I know what I am great at, right? right? I know the countless things I am not great right. at. It's right. I am so good at like five to seven things that you know. You ask me to do them, I will freaking deliver, right? Right. I'm right. an A plus gold star student, and it is. We uh, we want to live in our zone of genius, right? That's where you're uncomfortable. That's where you're discovering new things about yourself. That's where your purpose is is even greater than what you do so well that pays the bills that everybody relies on. And so, especially, I feel like when you're a creative person, finding the room in your life to achieve your zone of genius, and and, and not just finding, making it, it, is so hard.
1: Yes. And when you have all these other things that are stacked in your way, um, and 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 bl- it's it's blocking you, and it's it's normal. Look, you,
0: you and they're noble things, let's add, right? Like for me, it's
1: kids. I was about to say, you, you have two children, like animals,
0: and right, right, whom who I really care about, and want one, one, of one of them, one of them,
1: we pretty much care about,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but we won't say which one. Um, anyway, I, I when I listen to World Gone Good, I actually have that experience myself, even though I feel like I'm. Oftentimes, I, I'm pretty much living the dream. Like there are there are dreams of mine I haven't yet achieved, but my life is pretty am- am- amazing as far as what I get to do for a living. Yes. and I I feel quite purposeful. And yet, I sometimes listen to these shows and be like, "Dude, I hear you, but I I can't do what you did. I can't. I don't even have an." I don't even have a home to sell so that I can go buy a farm and save animals. And, and, I, and I have a pretty kind of fancy, cool life, right, empirically speaking. And so I wonder about lots of people who listen to the show. And I wonder if they feel, I'm sure they feel always inspired, but I also wonder if there's some self-investigation where people are like, oh, man, I want to do that, but I don't know if I can.
1: And I, I hope there is. And you can in the smallest of ways. In that, just like you That's said, in the smallest of ways, Denise Montrose Open Sama farms. You can go for seven dollars. I think it's seven bucks or ten bucks. I can't remember what it is. I think it's seven. It as a weird number to it. I think it's not seven. It's not that weird of a number. But you know what I'm saying? Seven bucks. You can buy. A bale of hay for her cows. So you can participate in that way. You can. You are
0: right. You can, uh, You can rescue a dog. You, you don't have to have exactly, to rescue thirty five dogs. Exactly.
1: You can go to your closet. I've said this so many times. You can go to your closet, open the door of your closet, turn all of your hangers, face them the other way, <laughs> and then in the next in the next sixty days, when you wear something, turn it back the other way. At the end of sixty days, anything that's still facing the wall. It's got to go. You know why? It does not spark joy. You know why? It doesn't spark joy. And number two, that's Marie Kondo it up. But number two, there's someone out there who could use that. And it is taking up space in your closet. When I left my job in March, one of the first things we did is I opened the friggin' closet and I said to Jim, I think it was this is before I left my job. I opened the closet. I said, Jim, do you see all these clothes in here? And he said, yes. I said, even if I went back to work, would I wear these clothes? No, they're two years old. They're, are These are pre-lockdown clothes and they got to go piles. We made piles. Like I, I don't need all of this stuff. So what happened for me was I quit my job and I've quit many jobs before, but this time I quit my job and the floodgates opened and the writing You're started, a baller. came out pouring out of me. It sounds like you
0: were surprised by that. It sounds like you didn't even know how many ideas were all pent up in the in the dam that was created by your daily job.
1: Because I feel we all have those things in our heart that we're like... And it could be many different things. It could be learning a language. It could be traveling. It could be um, uh, going to the fucking gym and losing five more pounds, right? You know what I mean? Like, I, I hey, everybody, I gained 11 pounds during the, the lockdown. In one location, my stomach, I looked four months pregnant or five, depending on if I was having twins. But <laughs> I... I <laughs> I I got myself back to the gym, but I started, I, the floodgates open and I, I, I will never look back at this time specifically. And I'm proud of this, that since March of this year, I will not be able to look back and say, Hey, you didn't do anything with your time. I wrote a screenplay that I've been wanting to write forever. I rewrote my play for the billion time and a couple more times. And I locked in the theater for March and I am 26,000 words, 13 chapters into a story that I cannot write fast enough. It is flowing out of me. You
0: have heavy flow. I have
1: heavy flow.
0: <laughs> Amazing for someone in his 50s.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I, I do get a little hot and cold spells too. but I'm really excited about all this stuff and I'm really just, I'm right in my moment.
0: I can I I have the biggest smile on my face listening to this. I can hear it. It's infectious. I am I am thrilled for you.
1: Well, thank you. And I took and just so everybody knows, I'm not some multimillionaire. I saved up some money, enough money to be able to make this leap. And I did luck out because the universe has answered me so many times. The week I was leaving my job on a Friday, on a Wednesday, my friend Heather, who's called me in the past, we used to work together. She called me and said, I know you can't do this job, but I need somebody like you. And I wish we could just have you do it because it's for a competing network. And I said, what's the job? And she told me what it was. And it was only a few days. And she said, and I would pay you. And I just really need you to write it because she has her own little promotions, not little, it's pretty big marketing promotions company. And I said, hey, listen, if you give me to Monday, Monday, I can do it because my last day is Friday. And she goes, what? But in that moment, the universe answered.
0: I have to tell you that a quotation I cannot remember who said it: um, "The use of time is fate," and and yeah, I mean, right? Time time is the only thing we can't make more of, and it is it is you now. We don't always have to do. I think I think in this new world of of you know acknowledging our mental health and and self care. We don't have to feel like we're on a relentless treadmill, um, that somebody else turns on and off, but it, it is the committing to, and the doing of the things that we feel called to do, or, and sometimes the things that scare us a little bit. And, and it sounds like that is, you now, you're saying you, you, you cannot look back on this year since March and not feel like you have been living up to your purpose. Yeah. Right. You you have no regrets because you are the master of your fate when you are when you are spending your time doing things that fulfill you.
1: Everything is going to work out the way it's going to work out. You can quote me on that. And we only have so much power over certain things, but the thing we have perfect amounts of power over is ourselves. And you can make the decision at any time to just feel happy. You can make the decision at any time to just feel good. You can make the decision at any time to read a book, go for a walk, (laughs) make a meal. It's really little, little things that add up to the overall thing. And not everybody is, you know, um, in easiest words, like me. and, And not everyone believes that. And people, I certainly didn't always believe it. And uh, I was a very negative person for a long time. And I had. When? The...
0: I have heard you say. I have never Because you knew me
1: after. Well, you knew me. You knew me a little bit I met bit during... you in
0: 2001, I think. Yeah. So I want to. I, you have mentioned on the show before, kind of obliquely, that you've had a dark time in your life. And I also heard you say in a recent episode, I think it was Ricardo Franco um, who started the Dexter foundation to rescue dogs. You, you kind of casually said, Oh, I second guess myself on, on everything. And I don't know that Steve. So tell me a little bit more about that.
1: I love my parents and my mother will be listening to this, (laughs) but we were raised very much right and wrong and obviously it's your parents so your parents way is going to be the right way and there was little room for gray area middle area um growth area mm. and i don't say that it's completely a wrong way to look at things. Of course, they taught us so many right and wrong things, but I had very-
0: With the best intentions. With yeah. the best,
1: in, yeah. And I had very, very strong opinions of how things should and would and could be. And I didn't realize at a point in my life after going through a horrible relationship how dark and negative I had become, how I, um, how I would go to the worst, how I would go to the right, oh, well, that guy's going to screw you oh well that's not gonna work out oh well hmm. you know that he's thinking so she's thinking something negative oh you said the wrong thing oh you said the wrong thing oh my god if i can cannot tell you how many times in my head i thought oh fuck i, I got owed this person an apology do you know i'll tell you uh, Juliet jeffers who was on our show um mm-hmm. you know Juliet, um wonderful actress,
0: storyteller and actor yep
1: incredible human as well she was on the show a while ago there was something that I said in front of Juliet that was uh, in 2003, 2004 time period in front of a group of people. And now in the world we live in, um, it was a very uh, white, um, privileged, higher than thou male, even though I'm not gay mm-hmm. and straight rather, I'm not straight, but I am gay. uh mm-hmm thing to say, especially to a person of color. And I have sat, I sat with that for uh, almost 20 years in my stomach hurting. Every time I saw her thinking, I owe her an apology. I owe an apology. She's thinking this about me. She's thinking, God, why did I say that? Why did I say that? Why did I say that? So Juliet and I uh, were texting about something uh, a couple months later after we recorded and just as friends. And I said, hey, I got to tell you something. I owe you an apology for this thing I said. I wrote this whole fucking thing out and sent it to her. And she said, Steve, she wrote me back. Steve, thank you so much for your apology. That is so nice of you, blah, blah, blah. I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't even remember the night in question. But clearly, it's something that sat with you. And I'm glad that we were able to have this moment for you to let it go. And she literally wrote to me, go ahead and let that go. Oh, And it's one of those moments, everyone who's listening, where you go, holy fuck, I have been (sighs) worrying about nothing, which was something to me that this person doesn't even remember. And I've had that come back to me with other friends who've said, I want to sell you when da-da-da-da. And I stare at them going, trying to remember like, what time are you talking about? Because that's how we are as humans, right? So I had this eat, pray, love moment in Italy. I was with some friends in Italy. We were there for 15 days. It was a great trip until day 14 when something very bad happened. That is all I'm going to say about it. And I was presented with a moment of, are you going to go down the same path you always go down? Or are you going to stop, listen to what was just said to you, take responsibility for what it said to you, and then make the decision, is this how you want to be seen in the world? And I got on the plane the next day. It was a very strange final day in Rome, one of your favorite places. Yes. And I flew out of Rome, heading to Newark, and I opened up this little journal that I had bought, and I started writing and writing. And on every page, I wrote down every negative thought I had about myself and I had about the world. And at the bottom of each page, I wrote, and I release you into the water below, meaning the ocean below. I finished literally the last page with my last negative thought and it was weird that it came to that and i closed the book and it was probably four and a half hours five hours of writing and the woman sitting next to me turned and said well you just wrote a novel and she said what can i ask what you were writing and i smiled at her and i said i just wrote down every negative thing i've ever said about myself and let it go and her jaw like dropped i thought she was gonna cry and I said, I want to touch back down home in the United States of America and be done with that version of myself and move on to the next person. And here's where it gets weird, everyone who's stuck with my story so far, because I met my husband, re-met my husband, who I had met 10 years prior, and we lost touch. I met him t- less than two months later, and we've been together 15 years now ever since. And I don't believe, had I not let that old version of myself go, would I have met him? Would I have the dogs that are in my house? Would I be doing what I'm doing? Would this podcast even exist? Because I had to just say, okay, that was then. This is now. Here we are.
0: I release you. I release you. How old were you when that happened?
1: 37.
0: Hmm. That's that is the similar time in my life that I had my big. My I dad. know ex- yeah. I know, and your husband and I did the right thing, which is finally marry Jewish guys. Jim, 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 and I know know what's up. But when, when what put that idea in your mind? Uh, That's, see, to me, I would never think of sitting down, writing down all the negative things I'd said to myself and releasing them. I would have had to listen to like Glennon Doyle's podcast or had a life coach tell me that. How did you know to do that?
1: I don't know how I knew to do it other than what happened in Italy, which was so shocking. And we were all safe, just so everyone knows. No one got hurt or anything. Something happened among the friends. And it was this giant perspective thing. And when it happened, I apologized for my part in it, but one of my other friends would not apologize. And what he said to me is, no, you deserved what happened. This is who you are. You're a very negative, angry person. And I'm glad I, that this happened because you needed this wake up call and I won't apologize. And that friendship ended um, because I tried for a while to stay friends with somebody who saw me as that old person and, and, Hmm. wouldn't allow me to be the new person, but I don't know. I just, I guess as a being a lifelong writer, I've written my whole life that I just, um, just went there. You know, I was on a plane. Where is that book? Do you know? That book is in a, in our closet in the guest room. And I have not opened it, uh, since I got off the plane. I it's, it's still here.
0: Yeah. And I wonder if you will ever want to
1: and i wonder if i did open it and i started reading stuff if i even remember what the fuck i was talking about because again that's one of those things that we for me we spend so much time telling ourselves this story of ourselves and our lives and that person and that thing and that job and that relationship justifying, and then we look back justifying. and I go yeah and we look back and we go wait what was his name <laughs> where when did that why did that matter so much to me then
0: yeah I mean, you saw my my show, my off-Broadway show, which is based on my book, which is based on my life. And at this point in my life, I, it, I do not feel disingenuous when I'm telling my stories and acting them out. But but I am now at a place where they all almo- they feel like they happened to somebody else it, because of the, the choices I made that, like you said, felt so desperate, so urgent, so painful and I'm so far removed from the person who would put herself in the position to be hurt over and over
1: and and allow herself to be and the other thing is when I saw your show afterward we saw each other after you know you came out and uh, afterward and and I saw we saw each other and hug uh, there was a lot of hugging, everyone there was an exchanging of money, cocaine <laughs> um, but <laughs> but I said to you, I believe that night or the the two nights later when we had dinner with your family. I said to you cuz I had read your book, right? So I said, so the new parts were the new the biggest new part was the story of Augustus going to um uh try to getting into private school.
0: That's And you that's said, true. "Yes, my son." Yeah.
1: And I said, "That's, that's not true. in your book." And you said, "No." But that that moment in your show for anyone who saw your show, that's the person I know now. That's the person and it's my I know now.
0: Favorite moment. It's so true. To Mine me. too. And
1: everybody, everything else to me when I was watching it, going, okay, this is all the lead up. This is the backstory. These are the pieces to the puzzle. But that moment, I was like, oh, because not like I know your book by heart. I mean, <laughs> but. Oh, these stories are familiar. I've read them and and you were in 15 minutes of them. So I knew the one chapter <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I knew we were going to, we were going to, we were going to go to that. We we're going to go to a pageant. I knew that was happening. <laughs> so, but, um, but that was a moment of, again, okay, here, here she is now. And I didn't know if the rest of the audience would even be able to pick up on that.
0: That's incredibly intuitive and and i truly did not mean to direct this conversation back on me because we're we are here to to shine the light on you
1: but this is what i love and this is this is this this conversation we're having right now as everyone knows who's listening to me
0: this is church this is church like my religion is connecting with people yeah
1: Yes. And if you've listened before, you know that I, you know, a lot of the guests who come on, I ask a question. They respond to the question. There's been a few guests where (laughs) go look. Some of the episodes are. 20 minutes exactly because they gave me two sentence answers and I ran out of questions. And you can feel, you know this, you can feel from interviewing a person when they're not going to share anything personal. One of the things I talk about on the uh, before I interview somebody here on the podcast, you know, we have a little run up. I say, you know, we're going to be on separate audio tracks. You can curse. If you screw up anything, just take a breath. We're going to edit it later. But I do say one thing to every one of my guests, which is my audience, which is me, myself. I love a personal story. So please, if there's something personal that we're talking about, this is a, this is a game, you know, of a tennis game, back the ball back.
0: That's what, that's what resonates. That is the, and I know, you know, this as a storyteller and I'm sure your listeners have heard this, it, the alchemy of vulnerability and storytelling is that the more specific and truthful you are in telling your own honest, weird, inimitable story, the more universally it resonates. So like my story about choosing what I wore to show up to get divorced. It's been, I I just saw it. I did. I told it for the moth. Right. And then it was in my show. It's been viewed 6 million times. I mean, honestly, you could argue, do we need another story from a, a, a white cis woman of privilege talking about choosing what to wear to divorce? And, and yet people are hungry for stories that are just true and honest. And like, that's it. That's all I can give you. That's my true story.
1: And connectivity. Just like, just like when you or anyone here listens to an episode of our show, like you said, do you have a ranch with, with eight cows and pigs and chickens? No, (laughs) but there's something here maybe you do, I don't know, but you have, there's a connectivity that goes on. And what I love that we do, you and I, and many of our the guests I've had, is this goes back to the very first episode that you and I did together, which you were shocked that I asked you. It's just a moment in time and a story that that feels good and that makes people feel good and reminds us all that in the grandest of ways, we can be a... A Simone Gordon, we can be a Ellie Lax, we can be a, a Ricardo Franco, and we can have these great organizations and make all this good happen. But also, in the smallest of ways, we can just come on and do the Valentine's Day show we did about love. And two of my very dear friends, John and Doug, can just tell us how they fell in love. And they fell in love over the soap opera Another World. And it's insane and hilarious and so sweet because it makes us feel good. And we relate. We connect. I think so
0: much about good is noticing. Noticing. Because you keep referring to the the small ways of doing good and seeing good and being good. And there's, I love – it should be a drinking game if someone binge listened to World Gone Good – Let's see how many times people say a five hundred one c three, because I don't know. Half your guests have started five hundred one c threes, which I think means you start a nonprofit. But but you don't have to start a five hundred one c three. You can. It, so much of goodness is noticing it. I don't know how much you're going to edit this. I I also don't know how much time you have. So this part will surely get edited out. I I have a little chunk about process for the show. I I think this conversation okay. that reveals who you are and where you come from is, is something that people who listen are hungry for. So I don't know if you want me to make a little pivot and talk a little bit about the show, or if you want me to go to my kind of rapid fire questions at the end,
1: go to whatever you're comfortable with. Like, you know what? Dear audience, screw you. It's my hundredth episode. It'll be as long as I damn well, please.
0: Oh my God, you're like Elaine Stritch right now. You're wearing a white button down in black, and black tights and character shoes. Um, okay. Quick, quick process questions. Um, yes. How do you pick guests? And are you at the point where people are emailing you like, Hey, you got to interview my friend.
1: Yes. It's a mixture. It's a mixture of me finding people that uh, either friends that post something that they're doing right now. And I think it's cool or a stranger that I find on Instagram because you like this other post. So you might like this thing. Right. And then it's also people coming to me. I just had a pu- – I've had major publicists come to me. I We did a show. Congrats. Uh, yeah, we had, did a show with Mary Welch Fox Stasic. You can go back and look up. Um, HGTV came to me. I got a freaking email from HGTV and you know, I love me some HGTV. I was like, what the hell is this? And they're like, "Ah, uh, Mary Welch, Fox, Stasek. That's her full name. She's coming to do a show and we'd like you to, uh, it's called breaking bland and she's coming to, um, you know, in, a, in this time period, blah, blah. And they wanted her on my show. And I was like, I wanted to write back. Like, you know, you know, I'm not Oprah, right? Like, you know, this isn't the Ellen DeGeneres. Like, like this is a podcast and it's a, it's a, it's a modest size audience podcast, but I don't think it's what exactly you're looking for. And that's the negative, right? That's the, oh, no, I'm not good enough side. You dropped that shit over the Atlantic, Steve. And there have been a few people. I had a publicist recently come to me and pitch an actor who she represents. And I wrote her back and said, okay, well, what is this actor involved in? What is this actor doing? What What's the good side? And she honestly wrote me back and said, oh, I just love your show so much. I didn't guess I didn't think about that. Let me think on that. Hmm. And I was like, okay, think on it. Let me know. Because not like I don't want to be, have anybody on, but I don't. I want to have somebody who has to spread good and great. I'm glad your actor's having success right now, but that's not really something that fits into this puzzle.
0: Yeah, you are discriminating. This isn't just a show where people come on and talk about what they do. Exactly. Um, uh, How heavily edited, how I shouldn't even say heavily. How edited is it?
1: It is – it all depends. Uh, I just said it right there. Anytime someone says a lot of "us," you know, like – and the really one that people don't realize is and. And is like a great pause or and, and, and. I do go in and lift a lot of that. Um, For time – I will take out a story or a lot of times I take myself out because I find that we're having a conversation and I go, okay, that was really fun, but that can be eh, cutting room floor. We'll use that another time. And I'll pull, it's almost always myself I'm pulling out because I really want the guest's story to shine.
0: You are leaning, I mean, in a hundred episodes, I don't know the count, but there's a lot of animal rescue and a lot of veganism. Yep. Do you – is this planned? Let me start with that.
1: I'm careful about it. I'm careful with all the subjects that we go at and sometimes I get a couple things that are too close in a row and I have to spread them out. And I, I'll write the person and say, I'm so sorry. We're going to postpone your episode a few weeks. And they always write back, oh, no problem. Uh, I love animals and I'm vegan. And I – this is a show about making the world a better place and I don't want to be preachy about it, but we cannot – continue to live on the planet the way we lived on the planet 50 years ago. We have to make changes and changes are going to be hard and there is a group of us who not us, there's a group of others who will not put on a mask. And during a pandemic when a airborne deadly virus is being spread, that is the minimum you could do for your fellow person. So there's no question to me that of course you're going to have difficulty changing your diet. Of course, you're going to have questions changing things that have been comfortable and what you want out of the world for so long, but we do not have a choice at this point. So if I can find ways with really great people like Kathy Freston and Alejandra Schrader and um, all of the wonderful animal groups, look, let's be honest, who doesn't love a good story about a, a goat? Come on, for fuck's sake. We had, we had Denise Montrose <laughs> tell us that, that a cow went into a cave and she had to send the other cow into the cave to get the cow out of the cave because she herself, she wasn't going in the cave, which I fucking loved. She just sent the other cow in. And,
0: and the cow's name is Elizabeth. Like every <laughs> time she would say Elizabeth, I would be like, wait, she's talking about a cow, right? And not a person. Um, I, I, I want to say about you and your guests Somehow, y'all never seem preachy. You never approach these subjects. None of you. It's it's kind of I- implausible, but it's true. Nobody ever shames anybody who's listening. So kudos for that. Thank you. I won't ask your favorite episode because I don't think that's fair. Unless you want to tell us.
1: Look, I said it in the one-year anniversary. I don't have a favorite episode. I
0: believe you. So tell me two favorite three favorite moments or one.
1: My very favorite moment of all time is in the one year anniversary. Cause I play it and it just happens to be being and you. And it is in, it, it, it <sighs> is the moment. It is my favorite moment. It's the moment where you are explaining how Minerva was going around with sis one and sis two, which are her <laughs> um, llamas, llamas, stuff llamas and i i thought when you said sis one and sis two cuz your kids are so fucking smart and liberal and out there cis, CIS. <laughs> but you just meant like sister one sister two i was like oh look at that they they're them they those those llamas and she was going around like llama lives matter llama lives matter and you said i never said llama lives don't matter and i go no what you said was all animals matter <laughs> And that laid us both out. And then you said, I never, I never, I never said such a thing. And I go, but you thought it. And then you say, you go, you go, no, no, no. And you go, okay, yes. You go, but only around my other white lady friends or something like that. (laughs) That's honestly one of my, it was so in the moment and it was so just ridiculous and it was the first it was the first episode it was the second record i ever did but it was cuz i did a test record with Pashan who also launched on day 1 you brett and pashan on the first day of the podcast but that's one of my favorite moments like <laughs> the favorite moment for me that always stands out in my head because it was so wrong
0: wrong exactly
1: <laughs> and good
0: very good lesson from this whole podcast is that it can be good to be wrong. (laughs) All right. I know you end every show with three questions. Oh, very quickly. Does Jim, your husband listen to the show? I just need to know.
1: I don't know. You'd have to ask him. He listens to anything. You're going to laugh. He listens to anything about veganism or animals. I know that.
0: <laughs> okay. Here's your demo. Okay. I was just curious. I was just curious. I was going to compare husbands because my husband list- doesn't listen to anything I do.
1: Um- <laughs> <laughs> no, you're a husband. You're- I adore your husband. My
0: husband loves you. Loves you. Um, okay. So I have some cues, que- uh, some, some faith daily cues for you. What would surprise people most about you?
1: What would surprise people most about me? That you're
0: chewing bacon right now. <laughs> um,
1: uh, I, I don't know if I guess it would surprise some people, but I'm obsessed with the 1970s. I've talked about it a lot on the show, but I don't think people understand the level of obsession I have with the 1970s. Like, if I could, I would remodel this whole damn house 1970s. There would be shared carpet. Um, the the living room would be sunken. There'd be a wet bar. There would be disco balls in every room. I would have uh, ABBA playing like as a theme song like when i enter a room ABBA would play uh bell bottoms would be worn i love the 70s the 70s were just when i grew up and mm-hmm. i think i don't think people realize how obsessed i am with the 70s i'm growing chest hair
0: just listening to this i love, uh, I love that all right now this this is a counterpart to your question you always ask which is who and who or what inspires you whom do you envy? I'm obsessed with envy.
1: Oh, that's a seven deadly sin. Uh,
0: I think it's the deadliest because it's it's the one you just commit against yourself in your own head. Yeah, maybe you, you don't alive. envy. Maybe you don't. I, I'm I'm obsessed. With
1: I envy. do. I, I do envy people who can travel. When I'm on Instagram, and I see, and I know all the pictures aren't really you guys and you gals, y'all I learned that from you too, not mm-hmm. we're not all guys anymore uh i I understand that 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 we're all going around the world and we're all using filters and we're all getting that fabulous shot. But I do envy people who can travel because there are so many places I want to go and and it it's not even financial like, oh, I can't afford it because i would I would blow out every credit card I own to go. It's more just the logistics of you know. I have four children. I have three dogs and a cat. And I have a life here and all the things that we all have. But I envy people who can travel. That's, That's something I can admit.
0: Do you call your dogs and cat your fur babies?
1: Absolutely not. No. Thank you. Thank you. I never call them fur babies. That's weird.
0: Best advice you've ever received?
1: Wendy Rich, General Hospital, 1992. I've told it on the show. What have you written? She asked me. And I froze because I bragged that I was a writer to her, executive producer, Emmy winner. I bragged to her like an idiot at 22 years old. I'm a writer. What have you written? Pause. She looks at me and says, go home and write. (sighs) Best advice ever. And I got the chance, which I've also told (sighs) on this show, I got the chance to randomly bump into her on a plane and thank her. And she started crying when I-
0: Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's an amazing story. That was like the original mic drop before we had that phrase. (laughs) Please interview her on this show. Seriously. I want to hear that interview. Um, this is from my son, Augustus. He wants to know something, a dream that you've had um, or have that you haven't yet achieved. I think he wants you to adopt him. Just say you want a 10-year-old boy.
1: Once he's 18 and I can adopt him <laughs> and then go <laughs> <Right>. get out. <laughs> right, right. Or 17 17 and 355 days or whatever okay, it is. Pay for college. You know. Uh-huh. Out. Uh, something a dream of mine that i haven't achieved well a dream of mine and jim's together is to open a senior dog sanctuary someday when we retire and just go get all the dogs that are 15 16 years older that that have less than a year to live and just give them a happy place and we want to get a couple puppies
0: oh 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 i just came up with the name it's going to be called the golden growls
1: Oh, okay. We gotta, I gotta write this shit down.
0: Isn't that good?
1: Another goal of mine really quickly, which you can tell Augustus, which I am looking into because it's just something I've always been interested in. I want to get my physical trainer license Oh, because I feel like that's something I could fall back on in my later years. And it's something I'm passionate about.
0: Okay. Well, where do we find you?
1: (laughs) You find (laughs) me and us at world good Lord, I fucked it up. Worldgonegoodpodcast.com. You find us anywhere you can find your pot your where you listen to a podcast. And you find me online at World Gone on Instagram and at World Gone Good1 on Twitter. Uh
0: and help friends find you. That's really the key. Um who or what inspires you?
1: Anyone who is willing to change, period. That's it.
0: Wow. That just made me take a deep breath. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. That's really cool. Wow.
1: Um, What's good? No, you fucked it up, man. Really? It's tell me something good.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm totally leaving this in. (laughs) We can't all do this job,
1: motherfucker. I'm not
0: a pro. Jesus Christ.
1: (laughs) Give me an Emmy. (laughs) Give me one of your Emmys. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) I will. I will. Um, Tell me something good.
1: Something good is living right in the moment you are in and smiling and just being present. I get up every morning And I look at whichever beast is in my bed and I kiss them and I say, Hmm. how fucking lucky are we? And I say it out loud. I go, I am Hmm. a lucky bastard. I am right where I am supposed to be right now. And if I can pass that along to any other person right now listening, wherever you are, just take a breath and smile and go, hey, I'm right where I am and I'm good.
0: I love you so much, Steve Silverman. You just called Jim a beast, by the way. (laughs) Um, I love you so much. And I think I can speak on behalf of everybody listening when I say thank you. You really do make the world gooder.
1: And thank you for uh, turning the tables on me. And thank you for everyone for listening for 100 fucking episodes. I can't believe it. We will be back the first week of October, which is technically our two-year anniversary to start season three. We already have new uh, recordings I've already made. We're going to start a whole new season of good. And we can't wait to share it with you. Cue the music.